Let's get real, let's get inspirational, a little bit emotional, and let's shed some sunshine. This is the Sunshine Steven Podcast. Welcome! Good day and happy Wednesday, and welcome back to the Sunshine Steven Podcast. Today's episode, I'm talking with my new BFF, my new friend, Eric, um, and we're talking about EFT tapping, um, which actually... I think the T in EFT stands for tapping, but I don't want to give too much away. Um, we'll dive into that. Super excited. Also, Cian Sloan giving us another little-known Black History Month fact. Super excited about that. That rhymed. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a poet. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, <laughs> super excited about both of those events. Um, this is actually part one, so make sure that you listen and take notes. And then in part two, um, it'll be a continuation of the talk and then there will also be other parts as well too because um again i don't want to spoil anything but there's just gonna be some more parts so yay (laughs) get excited (laughs) oh that was weird demon voice uh so yeah um let me shut up now and get straight to it so here's the interview Well, hello, Eric, and welcome to the Sunshine Stephen podcast. I feel like we already go way back because it's been like two hours since we <laughs> were talking. So, yeah, I would say how are you, but I feel like <laughs> I've already established how you are. So, how well, are you versus two hours ago? <laughs> I'm doing quite well, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Of yes, course. two hours and two pee breaks later, yeah. we have actually begun the recording. So, exactly. yes. <laughs> Yeah, if only everybody got to hear all the (laughs) drag race music, everything talk that we had. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for stopping by (laughs) uh, virtually um, and talking about, um, I guess, what you do and everything and this whole thing. And I don't want to steal your thunder, so I'll let you go into it because I don't want to mess anything up and be like, this is what it is. And you're like, actually, it's not. So. Um, no, sounds perfect. Yeah, so I'll hand it over to you to kind of introduce yourself um, and what we'll be talking about, and then we'll go from there. For sure. So my name is Eric Almeida. I am an emotional freedom technique practitioner, also known as EFT or tapping. And so essentially what EFT is, is it is a mental health practice in which you tap on acupressure points on the body as a way to calm down the fight, flight, or freeze response that would be triggered from traumatic memories and the like. So we need the fight, fight, or freeze response to survive. It's that same response you get if you're on the highway and someone starts emerging in your lane, you swerve out of the way. Mm. It's the same response you have if you're taking a hike and there's a snake and you jump back. And we need that for fundamental survival. But when it comes to memories, that system gets activated unnecessarily. Mm. So if you ever think back to a memory you have or you did something really embarrassing, you might start feeling your hands get clammy, your heart might start racing, you might lose lose the blood in your face and you have all of those physical reactions and that is the memory reactivating that same system again. Mm. And so when you're doing the tapping on the body and Steven can see it, but listeners cannot, but when you're doing the tapping on the body, it calms that fight, fight, or freeze response 
So that, that emotional charge that's tethered to that particular memory or to what the person's feeling in that particular moment can be reduced so that you can process the memory with the frontal lobe instead of it being activated by the amygdala, mm -hmm. which is the, the fear center, the primitive brain, the reptilian brain, all that jazz, and, and can bring a person a sense of calm. And so essentially the way it would work in a session is a person would come in with some kind of whatever issue that they want to work on. So using a very simplified example, let's say a person has a fear of public speaking. Mm -hmm. They would come in and as the client, we would start with just the general feelings around the fear of public speaking. And then we would tap together and I would be guiding them through the process, giving them prompts for them to repeat as they're tapping. We would do a couple of rounds, a couple of tapping rounds. And then we would see if anything would come up from their past. And the goal is to find those memories from their past that are, feel, that are fueling the contemporary issue. So using this hypothetical with the fear of public speaking, mm -hmm. let's say in middle school, because who didn't have traumatic memories in middle school? Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's say they were giving a presentation and it went really bad and the teacher gave them a bad grade and the kids in the class laughed at them. So that memory which has long since been buried, but still has an emotional charge because it may not have been processed properly mm -hmm. from the past, that memory is fueling that contemporary fear. And so when a person needs to do a presentation, whether it's for work or for you know, work, business, or, or even can be as bad as just going to a party or meeting new people, that, that old memory gets activated, whether it's conscious or not, and that entire system gets reactivated and then the person's freaking out. Mm -hmm. So by doing the tapping, those memories come to the surface naturally on their own. And then we then work on those specific memories and we purge them of the emotional charge. And then once the memory has no more emotional charge, it becomes just, it becomes stale. Like you still remember the memory, but it's just a set of facts. Yeah. I did this on this day and this thing happened. That's kind of it. I've even had clients describe it like, where they have a hard time recalling the memory because it's no longer has any emotion to it. And I've even had clients describe it as the memory actually like loses color because there, there's, there's just nothing left yeah. there. It's just, because fundamentally, most of us don't remember most of our past. Mm. Like a lot of times we don't remember what we had for breakfast, let alone what we yeah. did 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so the memories that we do recall from our distant past either have some kind of emotional tether to it, some positive, some negative and with the negative ones, you can let them go. So the fear of public speaking example is a very simplified example mm -hmm. for more complex issues. Um, it would be multiple memories that you would have to work on. So typically for a, a more complex issue, it's usually about three to five memories that have to be cleared out for it, the mm -hmm. contemporary issue to completely dissolve. Um, in very severe cases, it could be up to 10 memories, but those tend to be more severe trauma kind of instances, yeah. like prolonged abuse and things like that tend to be more. Um, and all of that jazz. Yeah. And so, um, and so for me personally, the, the way that I got into the into EFT and how I even learned what it was, was actually with a panic attack. Mm. And so uh, what a years... way to get into it. <laughs> yes, yes, an unfortunate way to get into it. Yeah. And so, so two years ago, I was working in subsidized housing as a property man, assistant property manager. So it was very technical. It was, mm. you know, government paperwork and, you know, all that nastiness so, that yeah. comes with that. And so, 
it's very, you know, logic oriented. And I had to really have like that customer service facade, that veneer on, because I had to keep my distance with the residents there. And that kind of made things worse for me because I had been suppressing my emotions for basically my whole life up until that point. Mm -hmm. Like for me personally, my emotional response was so out of whack where like something would happen and I would feel it days later. Like it was, oh, I, everything just got repressed. Like delayed. Oh, wow. Very delayed. And then when I felt it days later, I'd be like, why am I anxious? Why am yeah. I upset? Why am I angry? It didn't make any sense. Right. And then throw in the fact that I am a naturally empathic person and didn't know that at the time. And I was picking up on emotions of other people and being like, I'm like really alert right now. And mm. it's like, I, I don't understand why, you know, or charge. And so it, it drew me to high energy people because I fed off of that energy, but then it also was chaotic and it was, yeah, a, yeah. It was a mess. So essentially I was doing my normal paperwork at work and I just felt like something was fundamentally wrong. And my feet started going numb. My hands started going numb. And I was like, this isn't good. Yeah. And so I went to my boss and I said, can you cover this? And I'm like, I'm, I just, I don't feel good. And I'm, I did, so she took over that appointment. I walked into the maintenance office and just kind of was there. And like, it just got worse and mm. like started cold sweat. My heart was racing. I was starting to hyperventilate. I honestly thought it was a heart attack. Oh gosh. And so... I try to dial 911. It doesn't work. We, oh, gosh. <laughs> it was those, it was those office phones where you have to dial nine to oh, call out. So oh, dial yeah. nine. So like it didn't, so I'm like, shit, I need my cell phone. Yeah. My cell phone was in the office where she was still with the resident. So I walked back, grabbed my cell phone and I whisper in my boss's ear. I'm like, I'm like, I'm really not feeling good. I'm calling an ambulance. And she was, and she was, thank God for her cool as a cucumber and was okay. like, do what you got to do. And so I call the ambulance I tell them, I tell them why I think it's a heart, I, that I'm having a heart attack or yeah, I think yeah. it's a heart attack. And they're like, we're sending someone over. I immediately afterwards call my husband. It goes to voicemail. Oh. I leave him, I leave him a message basically saying goodbye. Cause oh, I was no. that far into the panic attack, not knowing it was a panic attack where I really thought like I'm going to die. And so he did not appreciate that voicemail. By oh, the yeah, way. I'm sorry. And like, so this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> basically. Yeah. And so, you know, the paramedics showed up. You know, they, you know, they do the oxygen test clip thing on my finger. They do the 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 blood pressure cuff and all that kind of stuff. They yeah. they immediately know what it is and they're like, you're not having a heart attack, you're having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. We're gonna stay with you until you're okay and we'll calm you down. And they were awesome, thank God, for paramedics. And it took about half an hour for them to calm me down mm -hmm. and you know my husband calls me back and he's like he's like are like are you okay yeah you good and i'm like and i'm like i had a panic attack but can you come pick me up from work and he was like yeah yeah yeah. and so so you know they're like we can take you to the hospital if you want but you don't have to and i'm like no 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 i'm like i'm feeling better and like mm -hmm. i'm like I, if i walk in the hospital they're just gonna charge me a thousand dollars give me a xanax and kick me out and it's like right the point and so um i go home I take a day off and then I try to just go back to work. I'm like, this is just a weird fluke. I don't know why that happened. Mm -hmm. And I get back to work that morning, two days later that morning. And I just feel it coming back, the panic, another panic attack. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, fuck no. Oh, fuck no. Yeah. And like, I literally like a bat out of hell, get the fuck out of there. Mm -hmm. And I even drive past my boss as I'm leaving. <laughs> and so I, I felt really bad. And then I'm like, this is so, this is messed up. And yeah. I tried again the next day. 
and I didn't get halfway down the highway before I had to turn around because mm. I just started panicking again. Yeah. And so I'm like, I, I, I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, and so bad. something was, it was bad. And so I ended up taking a medical leave from that job. And I connected with a therapist I met through a business group that we were both part of at that time. And I'm like, Sarah, I'm like, I need your help. And do you have room in your room in your practice to take me? And can we do it over the phone? Because like, I'm actually getting scared to drive. Yeah. And I ended up developing agoraphobia. I ended up not leaving my house. I ended up like, I couldn't like, I literally confined myself to one room in my house. Oh, I was good. just petrified of the world, just literally hiding under the blankets for hours at a time, having moments of just hysterical crying. And my husband's just kind of like, holy oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like my whole psyche shattered and I hadn't realized that I was really white knuckling it for so much of my life. And the panic attack was basically my mind, basically saying, we've been telling you something is wrong and you've been ignoring us. So we're just gonna show up with this metal bat and take you fucking out. And that's yeah. basically what it did. And so uh, Sarah, my therapist at that time had incorporated EFT into her practice. I had never known about it. Mm -hmm. And after a month, the agoraphobia went away and I was able oh. to see her in person. I also ended up leaving that job because I realized obviously it wasn't for me. Right. Yeah. Right. And so. um, I ended up continuing to work with her and I ended up working with her for about a year and change. And by the, so this happened, the panic attack happened the summer of 2018. By the fall of 2018, I decided to open up my own business and it was an antique store because I'm gay, antique store, you have to do that. That's I, I was works. Say, that's <laughs> so yes, it, it, yeah. yeah, it was. A lot, it, I had a lot of fun with it, and I ended up opening the doors of the antique store that uh, December, January, so from 2018 to 2019. Mm -hmm. And so I, and so like huge amount of change. I went from like being scared to leave my house to starting my own business for the first time, mm -hmm. and still doing a lot of work with her, and just really digging up a lot of old skeletons, a lot of traumatic things from my past. You know, I was bullied incessantly mm. in high school. And like when I was in high school, calling something gay because it was dumb or lame or whatever was, yeah. was in set, was in style. Yeah. And being a very closeted gay boy at that time, they were pushing a button they didn't know was there. And it really right. fucked me up along yeah. with other things on top of that. And so it was a lot of unpacking a lot of that old stuff. And, you know, I ended up, having the antique store up until uh, until March of the, of 2020. Mm -hmm. COVID didn't kill it. It was going to die anyway. And my in and amazingly I got out of the space within days of them shutting down Massachusetts where I am. Oh gosh. So my intuition was just screaming fuck. at yeah. me saying like get the fuck out. Uh -huh. And it was perfect timing, you know, it worked out great. I was, you know, I was so happy that I did it and I gave it a go, but like it just wasn't financially viable. Yeah. Lots of fun, but just, just, I am very much poor and in debt as a result. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I ended up getting a job in the middle of all the COVID stuff as a commercial cleaner, which I'm still doing now as my day job. But I discovered one of my colleagues got certified as an EFT practitioner. And I'm like, wait, what, huh? I'm like, how, how, how did you do so that? It, yeah. And so, and so I connected with the instructor and they were doing training even over Zoom with everything going on with all the nonsense with the virus. And I'm like, and I'm like, this is what I want to do mm -hmm. because I originally graduated from college with a psych degree with the intention of becoming a clinician and a therapist. 
And I wandered from that path because at the time I was, it was, I was still too fragile. I had worked in a residential program for children mm. and that was rough. And oh, so yeah. I walked away from psychology back then because I'm like, I'm not strong enough yet to do this work as my mm. career. And then I ended up coming back to it after doing all this self-work. And for me, I am more confident than I ever thought I was. I am more relaxed. I am more in tune with my emotions. I actually feel emotions as they're supposed to happen, which is amazing, yeah. like a normal human. Yeah. And, um, and now I'm just wanting to give this gift to other people because it's just, it's, I have seen, I've experienced as the client and I've also seen firsthand as the practitioner Mm -hmm. The transformational change with EFT, even in just a single session, wow. it's profound because yeah. not only are you talking about what's going on, the tapping is engaging the emotional and energetic system as well. And you're hitting everything with all the cylinders. Mm -hmm. Why the fuck am I using a car reference? Anywho. Yeah, I, was like, um, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> yeah, I know. And so it's just, it's, it's, it's a fantastic practice and it's, you know, it, you need to be more open, it's a little bit more open-minded just because yeah. it, it does, it does, it, its foundation is on, you know, acupuncture and Chinese medicine and things like that. So, you know, for some people, they'll want more, a more conventional form of psychotherapy, which is fine. It's to yeah. each their own. Some people want to lie on the couch and the, the therapist is behind them and they're like, you know, how are things with your mother? Like yeah. some people want that. And then other, you know, for, for other people, something like EFT and tapping would be for them. And I just say to people, you know, when it comes to mental health, you need to connect with the practitioner and you need to connect with the technique. If you don't connect with both, you're not, it's not going to work for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's super um, enlightening too. And thank you for sharing that. And funnily Absolutely. enough, I, I actually, I graduated with a sociology degree. <laughs> I tried. That was my minor. So. Yeah. Well, there's a, yeah, my, uh, original well I was undecided and then I was like psychology seems like great I want to help people this is going to be awesome and then I was like this is too much to learn about the brain and so somebody was like <laughs> hey sociology is like the cool hipper cousin of psychology <laughs> try this out and so I fell in love with it and was like yeah sorry um so I did that but my minor was criminal justice which mine too they just really? kind of they pushed me into that just because me too because i took so many i took a bunch of classes that's yes. so funny um they, yeah it was just it was just dumb luck that it was yeah, that's so, so funny <laughs> it literally for me it was that because i already taken so much psychology so they were like okay well that automatically you know that's and then sociology and then i was like oh i like criminal justice let me take all these classes and then i met with my academic advisor and she was like so this is automatically you're minor because you've already taken courses <laughs> and i was like oh cool all right cool and she was actually um the professor that taught those classes too oh yeah she so, wants the numbers <laughs> yeah so she was like awesome so um and i think that was one of the first uh years that they offered it as a minor oh, and, nice. um so i was super excited yeah criminal justice was and still is one of my favorite things so um it's funny well, i'm glad we, you had i'm glad you had a good time with it because I have never had worse, I've never had people take interesting topics like criminology and things like that and make them horrific. Yeah. I had really terrible professors for some of them. And some of them, that's that's any college. I went I went yeah. to UMass Amherst. I went to ZooMass, or I don't think they like that name anymore, but back <laughs> in the day. And um, 
And it was, it was very hit and miss. And I, I had the same experience with some of the psych classes, but yeah, like my criminology professor, it was terrible. I, I did fine in the class because I just read the book, yeah. but the lectures were, I wanted to stab my eyes out. And so oh, it was unfortunate. Some yeah. of the classes were good, but yeah, some of them, it was just taught poorly. Oh, I was obsessed uh, with the professor that taught all the, the criminal class. She did a really good job too, making it interactive. Um, one of my favorite days we were learning um, about the, the labeling theory and how, you know, from kids or you have to have that one caring adult, but if somebody is like, oh, you're stupid, you're like, well, they labeled me as stupid. I feel stupid. So why not be stupid? Mm. Um, so we actually, at the beginning of class, she gave us all a label to put on our forehead and then we didn't know what it was. And she told other students, like, treat them with oh. their label. And so I was like, <laughs> so it made you very, like, mindful of, like, be careful what you say, because that might, somebody might no. take that and go the extra mile. And my label was troublemaker. Oh, so, no. <laughs> <laughs> which is complete. And it's funny, because she giggled when she gave, she was like, oh, this will be funny and good. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And troublemaker. And I was like, I'm not a troublemaker. So everybody, it was just a good way. So she did a lot of stuff like that. That was awesome. So in case you have teachers that are listening to this podcast at the moment, do not do that with younger students. Yeah, College no. students, you could play that game. Um, I can't say any more for yeah. spying confidentiality, but don't do that with younger students. Yeah, I don't think that that would work. No, 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 <laughs> children. no, 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 no. Yeah, that would, no. yeah. Even even, co- even college students, you're, you gotta be a little careful. Yeah, we- thing. Because you're 18 to 21, people are still really fragile mentally, very yeah. fragile. So. Yeah, it was, it was very, yeah. Uh, we knew what we were getting. And none of them were like, serial killer was a label or something like that but it was a good way to to do that yeah I don't see that going over well with children I'll never forget one time we actually um as children and now I look back and like who thought this was a good idea (laughs) I know right there were literally almost fights that brought out we were you know talking about the whole um you know civil you know, Martin Luther oh, King, like no. all the segregation and everything. And so they thought they would do a quote unquote experiment to put us in the mindset of that. But instead of using even color, they were like, okay, this water fountain, only people with brown eyes can use it. And people without, when I tell you parents How old were, were you? Oh, this was like fourth or fifth grade. Okay, no, that is what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> No, yeah, it was really bad. Don't do that. People felt so jaded. Like, oh, this sucks. Like, this is so. I was like, there's a way to get the point across. Like, me to I'm show a... them a video. Exactly. Or like, like sh- have someone else sh- tell the story about yes. the differences and show pictures that it was real. It was. Real, Don't yeah. do the practical lesson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, that was not 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 with racism. You yeah. Exactly. Not, not with racism. Don't do the practical lesson with the Civil War. What yeah. do you do? Like, no, no, teach, please, no. Teachers, no. Yeah, no, no, it's no. so weird. It baffles me because even in high school, and I swear I go back on topic, like where I grew up oh, with such small town, you know, mentality and stuff. And even as I became adult, learning networking events, they're like, you never really bring up politics or, you know, stuff like that. Like, 
one one person politics abortion or um gosh what's the last one that you never oh religion never bring those religion. up yep you know that's just and so literally we had a civics class that i took my ninth grade year where we had to perform debates even if you weren't for the subject so he just split the the classroom yep. down and was literally the top worst things he was like we're gonna debate about abortion and i'm like oh like this is so weird and now even then i thought it was like odd like why are you doing this with like we're we're not even adults yet or anything <laughs> but looking back i'm like what an inappropriate thing to throw out there so that i'll counter you with for just a moment oh, so, so we going okay <laughs> so in a debate scenario, the only reason, the best way to do that, that I would say, and I'm not a teacher, but what I would say in yep. a debate scenario is to force everyone in the class to swap on every single topic, to make them be pro and con on everything. Because the, be the best way to, even as an adult, the best way to defend whatever your perspective is, is to learn about the perspective mm -hmm. of the other side. Because then you, you learn what their points are and then you can have counters for it so yes you know they maybe you don't start with abortion yeah but like i i took i took a speech and debate class as a way to break out of my social speaking phobia from mm -hmm. back in the day and yes we so when i took that speech and debate class i don't remember what grade i was in actually i could figure this out it was right after it was in the early days of the iraq war um 2001 2002 right okay. around there Right after, yeah, right after 9-11. Because one of the things we debated, and actually what I was debating was whether or not to do the, the smallpox vaccine. Because oh. that was one of the concerns back then was the, the whole um, biological weapons and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And, so, and so I remember, I actually do remember being pro basically saying if they, if they dropped smallpox on us, the only person that would have a chance to survive would be the teacher because she got a vaccine 30 plus years ago and she would still probably die. Yeah. And so that, like it was so it was so like, yeah, there's a way to do it in the debate world. But yeah, you got to. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't start. I wouldn't start yeah. No, I would build up to that. Yeah, I would start with something like I was thinking yeah. I was like, why couldn't we do like a fake debate? Like, hey, the school because I had this in another class uh, like the school. We had to write a paper, a persuasive essay on um, the school is bringing uniforms in debate if you're for it or against it, something like that. But he relatable, legit, relatable to the student. Yeah, yeah. No, started out with abortion yeah. and we were all like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit rough. Yeah, yes. it, it was rough, yeah. Um, but it, it did though, kind of sort of go into what you said because you know, some people were on the side that they didn't want to be on. So they had to, for the assignment's sake, you know, go with it. But like so many people are so uncomfortable that I mean, there were some students that were like, I, I absolutely refuse. I don't know. And I'm like, this is just so like, if it was uniform, that's kind of, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's tough, especially, you're, you know, I think it's a ninth grade. Yeah, those are yeah. <laughs> ninth graders are at the, they're in that phase of development where like they cling to some kind of identity and then like that identity becomes who they are. Yeah. And then as you get older, the identity is just one sliver of who you are. Yeah. It and was so like, yeah. yeah, getting someone to debate against something that they truly believe as a ninth grader, 
that's going to cause a lot of dissonance for them. Yeah. That's such a heavy for them to handle. Yeah. Yeah. It was Jeepers. a heavy topic. I'm like literally homegirl that sits next to me eats Skittle um, chapstick as a snack. So I don't think we're prepared to talk about abortion right yeah. now. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. You know, start with, you know, a hypothetical school uniform. Thing yeah, something, something like that. Or, or go something super benign. Do chocolate versus vanilla. Yeah. Just to get, like, just to kind of grease the wheels. And the, like, if it's a, if it's like a semester long thing, end with something triggering. Yeah. Because then people will get used to doing this. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 100%. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, back on. <laughs> that tangent was meant for all of your teacher listeners. Yeah. When it comes to their lesson plans. <laughs> Be careful. Uh, you never know. Like You never know. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes. And it's not, I don't care. Because I never really liked the the teacher anyways. Um, he was a uh a baseball coach i think so it was one of those situations where like they really needed a, a baseball coach but they had to be a teacher so he didn't really so he taught debate and he was a baseball coach yeah it was, yeah that That's an interesting combo small towns were like that. oh like, yeah no nope, yeah it was very you. um and i think actually a couple years ago i i had word that he was released because he showed up to one of the football games um um, under the influence <laughs> so um How I never lovely. really yeah I never really liked him he he made me he was one of those teachers too like if you um did something that he you had to like write a hundred sentences saying something um Oi. Anywho, I that's, that's that's old school punishment yeah that's was, like that's like the Bart Simpson at the beginning of the Simpsons yeah you know I just lost a lot of um there was another teacher and I swear I go back uh again another small school but because i went to one school for the first two years and then two for the last and he it was the Mm -hmm. same situation he was the baseball coach and they had him um teaching american government and sociology um i'm impressed that sociology was even an option but go on yeah (laughs) which i don't think he yeah fully grasped or anything but it was very much all the the baseball players took his class because it was an easy A of course. everything. So it was very that's self-serving too. Yeah. Because was... the, the students need to get a good enough grade to stay on the baseball um, team. Exactly. So that's, that's like right. what they do in college for yeah. for the yeah for college. Very backwoods um sh- stupid shit. So I, I didn't really have much and I respect and love teachers, but I didn't have really much respect for teachers that weren't yeah no teachers teachers get a bad rap and they get shafted a thousand times over and it's not surprising that there's a lot of bad ones because to make so little and then to be abused yeah in their own way and all that kind of stuff yeah it's yeah that's all i I hope nobody yeah i hope nobody's like god steven no he and honestly (laughs) this will be the story that turns a lot of people um as my dog barks in the background (laughs) um he would actively well i guess not actively do anything when the the baseball players would bully and pick on other students oh that's not in the class and so one day like it literally i kid you not this sounds like a horror movie but it is like the whole class was divided to where one side was all the the baseball players and the other were like we're all like misfits like not really we're like oh my god have to take american government and um so we're here but they would like actively there was one student in particular that was very quiet like one of those students that never talked to anybody was like into anime was just mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. lone wolf and they would actively pick on him and everything like that yeah. and so 
one day I done had enough <laughs> and I flipped my shit on all of them. Like in front of everybody was like, would y'all just shut the fuck up? And they all were like, ah, uh, and they were like, coach, are you going to let him talk? And I said, I dare you to say anything because I said, I can guarantee you the whole side of this room will have plenty of things to say about how you actively let people bully other students. And I don't think that will go over well. And how he, did he respond to that? He, he told the, his, the teammates or whatever, just, just stop and leave it alone. And I was like, damn, kudos like, to you. I was like, hmm, yeah, I have another story <laughs> that happened in college, but I, that's in my book. I, I, I don't do well with um, people bullying. <laughs> so ah. yeah, it was very, and it was crazy. Cause at the time, cause I was going through a lot of uh, emotions and stuff and inner things that people didn't know, but it was uh, some of the, students and players in that class were in another class of mine where mm-hmm. we uh had to make a vision board of what we wanted to do when we graduated and stuff and at the time oh. I was like very religious and wanted to be like a youth pastor and everything but then that stopped and they were like um <laughs> they were all like super shocked because they were like here's this kid that used to um carry a bible verse around with him and you know, lead prayer circles. And then I was like, would y'all shut the fuck up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. So you, okay. So you were, you were, you were, you, you're the outward persona was the good Bible boy. Yeah. And then for you to curse them out. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that then cuss sense. them out. Yeah. And then yeah, I was like, y'all just wait until we get in college. You'll really see a different, <laughs> different Steven. So again, high schoolers trying to find themselves. <laughs> so, like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, for sure. It, yeah, anyways, I digress. Let's get back on the topic of hand. <laughs> so um, it's a very interesting thing to me. And I always said this offline too. One of my mm-hmm. good friends actually sent me um, some information on this a while ago because I'm going through stuff and everything like that. So why would you, what, or how would you explain to people like why you think this is an important um, practice and everything and, you know, benefits and stuff? Like if you just want to dive sure. into that. No, for sure. So so fundamentally, I had seen plenty of therapists throughout my life who you were using more conventional forms of therapy. They do work. I'm not going to knock them at all. But when it comes to EFT, mm-hmm. because it is incorporating, because it is body oriented, because you're doing the tapping on the points and it is activating the energetic systems with the foundations of the acupressure you're just getting both of those cylinders running that you're cognitively talking about what's going on in your past. And you're also emotionally feeling what happened. And a lot of times with, with conventional forms of therapy, you'll get the talking and the rational, but you won't get enough of the emotion. Mm. And so that's what makes EFT for me personally, that extra step of taking it forward. And a lot of conventional therapists are incorporating it into their conventional modalities Mm. as well. And so, you know, at the end of, like I said, at the end of the game, I'm not bashing conventional therapy. I think it's fantastic. There's so many techniques and so many things I've learned from those, uh, from those more conventional worlds that I pull into my EFT practice as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still reading on Freud and Jung and all the other Mm -hmm. psychotherapists and the analysts and things like that. Like there's so much valuable information and a lot of other techniques, but it's just, when it comes to incorporating the emotion it's so much more effective in, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And like I said, it's, it needs to connect who to you. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, if it works for you, great. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's why a lot of times I, you know, I offer to people just, just give it a try once. And if it works great. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, and that's yeah. fine. And there's other forms of mental health that'll work for you. And so, and the really crazy part, so EFT was only invented back in the eighties. It's still a relatively newer practice, yeah. which is a lot, why a lot of people aren't aware of it, but they've been doing a lot of scientific studies on it more recently. And um, some of the recent ones that I've, I read were they did a functional MRI study comparing EFT to, con- to cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, in regards to dealing with food cravings. Mm-hmm. And EFT was more effective than CBT when it came to brain activation. And you can see mm-hmm. the scans and everything like that. Um, there have been, I've read a meta-analysis that was showing how EB, uh, EFT um, has is, uh, as the same level of efficacy as cognitive behavioral therapy, which from mm-hmm. my perspective as someone who studied psychology, that's huge because CBT yeah. is the most research form of therapy because it is the, it's the easiest to research. Right. It's very structured. It's very, and it's very concise, like psychoanalysis, which is the, you know, the, which is Freud. It's the fun. It's the foundation of psychology. You're talking about one hour sessions, three days a week for years. Mm-hmm. To, because you're doing a fundamental deconstruction of a person's mind. That's very hard to do research on. Compared to CBT, you're talking about six to eight one-hour sessions. And then CBT is aimed a lot more for, you know, you know, cigarette smoking, you know, quitting cigarette smoking or food issues, or, or it's, it's fa- CBT is fantastic for phobias and stuff mm-hmm. like that, because it's very structured and it's very pointed. But, um, and so like just seeing the research showing that EFT has the same efficacy as CBT, I was like, fuck. I'm like, yeah. that satisfied the logical part of me that was starting to be more comfortable with the, 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 that this has a foundation of a little bit of the woo-woo because it is, in, yeah. you know, with acupuncture and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it just, it goes that extra mile. And mm. like I say, it either works for you or it doesn't. And I take notes either way. There's yeah. plenty of people in the world who could use help and they're going to find the modality works for them. No, definitely. Yeah, I think it's super important to find what works best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and if you're anything like me, <laughs> you have a therapist, a psychiatrist, everybody just on on uh, standby for you. So yeah, I, I would highly suggest people, you know, find what works for you. Um, but I'm always open-minded to like, oh yeah, I'll try this, whatever, sure. Unless it's like, murder or something like that. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. And that's the thing too. I've had clients who are seeing conventional therapists and they ask like, this is, is this going to be an issue to try you as well? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I don't like, I don't mind. It doesn't like, yeah. I don't see it as a threat. I don't see it as competition. Such I'm like, yeah. it's just an, it's another, another tool layer, for the tool yeah. belt. It's just another tool in the tool belt. Yeah. And it's like, do your, like see your conventional therapist, see your psychiatrist. And if you want to see me too, great. If, you, if you've got the time, you got the dough, why not? Yeah. Why not? You're hitting yeah. it on three cylinders. Why not? So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely curious to, to try it out for sure, which to be continued. For to be continued. Yeah. Listeners. Um, we'll get into, <laughs> I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so one question I always uh, usually try to ask guests, and mm-hmm. this could be for anybody uh alive no longer with us family uh celebrities famous people world leaders whoever mm-hmm. who inspires you you could pick one several you 
there's no limit for sure nobody myself (laughs) (laughs) so i'm actually gonna go with a fictional character okay so my the person that truly inspires me and this will shout out to all the star trek nerds out there is captain Catherine janeway from star trek voyager so i don't know if you yourself are into the star trek universe in any capacity at all but okay well okay here's the thing yeah i have a weird connection because ever since I was in 10th grade, I've been told, you look just like Zachary Quinto, who plays Spock in the newer Yes, in the Star newer Trek. You do have a resemblance. I can see that. Yeah. yeah and so um, inadvertently, after I've been told that, I've watched Star Trek and then I dressed as Spock. Um, but I haven't, that was the newer ones. I haven't yep. seen the older, the older ones. ones. Which is perfectly fine. Yeah. I will flat out admit, you know, Voyager what came out in the nineties into the two thousands. It 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 has signs of its age. Yeah. And um, but no. So my my reason for why uh, Captain Janeway inspires me so much is essentially the 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 fundamental plot of that series is they got thrown into the opposite end of the galaxy, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get back home to Earth, and she does it. While, main, while keeping her crew together, treating her crew as a family, and she does it with, with such tenacity while also staying by her principles, which is, you know, the, the prime directive and all that kind of jazz. And she's just an awesome, she is the, she is the first female captain ever in the oh, Star Trek awesome. universe. So it, taps, it, it certainly scratched that diva itch for me as a yeah. young gay boy. And like, it's, she's just, she's my shit. Yeah, it's just, you know, for you know, just seeing her in the captain's seat, you know, basically telling all these other aliens and shit like "fuck off," yeah, like, you know, you're like yeah. I'm the captain, fuck off, and like I'm gonna get my crew home, and we're not gonna compromise who we are as people and people, as, yeah, as, yeah. as Starfleet officers, and it's just I really connected with that and just like owning, holding to one's principles yeah. because it is fucking hard. Mm-hmm. and so like it's, it's something that I, tr- I take into my personal life in that way of like you know when you compromise your own principles even if you get away with it you never do yeah because you will always remember what you did yeah what and you did in the dark yeah, yeah you know you know like like the classic example of like you find the wallet on the ground there's a bunch of money in it what do you do the person's long gone do you send them back the wallet with the money without the money or not at all and like you know you will always know what you did even if no one ever knows yeah and like that will eat you alive the telltale heart yeah yes the yeah classic example the telltale heart for sure yeah well that's awesome yeah i i feel like uh, maybe that person for me would be Buffy the Vampire Slayer because you can't go wrong with Buffy. Never. I actually she just is awesome. Yeah, I was uh, a guest on um, another uh, show. It's To Be Fair podcast, and it's four parts because we would not stop talking about uh, <laughs> how much we love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I, we love a good strong female. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Oh my god. Yeah, yes, exactly. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, you so, need. Yes, there. Yes, and that yeah, yeah. The but, strong female. There's a, yeah. Every time I play video games, if I have the option of playing a female character, I do. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. It's just there's just that it's that extra that badass. badassness. Yes, of being exactly. a woman and still kicking serious. Ass. And in uh, video games, where it's usually like 
there in high heels and a, a low cut. Top. I know, and yeah. it's like still she she did that thing. <laughs> like, no, and yeah, they still kick it, and they run like all with the stupid. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, yeah. but still, a, yeah, yeah, we love a good strong um, female moment. It's true, we do love a good strong female moment. So, be sure to come back next week for part two of that interview. Um, now let me find something for this week. Before speaking, examine your mind. That's a good one. You know, before you start talking shit, make sure that you have all your ducks in a row. You know? Ponder that over as we enjoy this week's Meditation Minute. Black History Month. It's your girl Christina, aka C and Sloan from Working Overtime the Podcast, here to deliver another little known black history fact. Do you like movies? Because I do. And one of my favorite classics is Gone with the Wind. And let me tell you one reason why I love it, and it is Hattie McDaniel's performance as a mammy in Gone with the Wind. And she was a black woman who was in this film and she was the first african-american woman to win an oscar and she wasn't even allowed to attend gone with the winds national premiere talk about freaking insane so back in the day 1939 gone with the wind when the movie premiered it premiered in atlanta and because of the jim crow laws in georgia she was prohibited from even attending the event from attending the premiere and so then when the oscar ceremony came around she was invited to go but could not sit with her castmates was instead sat at some table in the back and then they you know they pulled little strings moved her a little bit closer but not much but she got she freaking won okay best supporting actress in a film and she was the first to do this and her speech you can actually watch it online it's really amazing so 
she was the first african-american woman to even win and she couldn't even go to the freaking event what but jokes on them haha hattie mcdaniel she went on to star in over 300 films was inducted into the black filmmakers hall of fame in 2006 and was the first oscar winner to appear on a postage stamp check it out so hattie mcdaniel just think about that First woman to win, first African-American woman to win a freaking Oscar, and she didn't even go to the freaking event. What the heck? Didn't even go to the premiere. Shenanigans. Haven't we come a long way? Thank goodness. So Hattie McDaniel, remember that name. And if you haven't watched Gone with the Wind, you should. She performed as a mammy and freaking crushed it. That's all I have for this week's little known black history fact. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Be sure to come back next week for part two. And then also on Friday, this Friday, there will be another edition of Sassy Meditation. So surely you should check that out. I wanted to say be sure to check that out. And surely you should check that out. So yeah, that's why that sounded weird. But (laughs) anywho, thank you. um, Big thank you to Eric and CM Sloan for helping me out with this episode. Uh, Again, another um, part next week with Eric talking about, you know, EFT, um, putting through my little random question game, which is always, always fun in my eyes. So be sure to check out next week. Um, also, my new website that was launched a couple weeks ago, SirStevenRice.com, you can actually go on now for a limited time and download for free my ebook. Um, it is something that I put together, 10 Sunny Tips um, to Bring Sunshine into Your Life. Uh, so just 10 things that I do to help make me feel happy and work on my mental health. So be sure to go check that out. It's for free. You don't have to have a, a Kindle or ebook reader as well too. It'll be a PDF. So please do that. That would be great. Also, podcast merch is coming soon. I keep teasing on my Instagram. So be sure to follow, um, speaking of Instagram, be sure to follow me at Sir Stephen Rice, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'm on Clubhouse at Sir Stephen Rice. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I will see you, will not see you. I will talk to you <laughs> next week and you will listen. That's how podcasts work. Uh, stay safe. And until next time, have a fantastic day. <laughs>